Today we have James Talea, and he's an energy coach in the Bay Area. Hi, James. Hey, Travis. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, we like to start out our interview here always asking this question. So what was the first thing you remember wanting to be when you were growing up? I remember um, wanting to be just a, a businessman like my dad. My dad was always working, and, and I, I just wanted to emulate him. I uh, didn't really think too much about anything special. I was just focused on school and, and uh, you know, where it came to a career. The only real example I had was my father. Oh, okay. So you wanted to be a businessman. That's, uh, that's, that's cool. Um, so what do you do now and how did you get into it? Well, so now I, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm an energy coach um, with a, a program that we run for, uh, to help residential customers um, save energy. So it helps them understand their energy use and, and helps them save energy. So I'm, I'm an energy coach for that program as well as a uh, partner person. Uh, I'm the community programs director. So I also collaborate with cities and towns and counties in the Bay Area to uh, work with them to try to get the, the word out uh, to help more people know that this program is available uh, to them. Oh, okay. Well, in our last podcast, we talked to Chris Hunt, who was also an energy coach. And he explained in pretty detail what it is. Uh, but for the listeners who didn't listen to that, can you kind of go over a little bit about what an energy coach does and what's your day in life like? Sure. Um, so as an energy coach, I'm uh, assigned to a set of clients. I have about uh, 400 clients around uh, the Bay Area, mostly uh, in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties and Silicon Valley here. And uh, so I'm, I help them understand the analysis that the Home Intel program does, uh, the analysis is of their smart meter data, both gas and electric. So it breaks down their electric use uh, into different categories. And so one of the key things I do is to help make sure that they understand what that analysis is telling them about where, what they're using in their home for different types of end uses of gas and electricity and then what categories are, are those that they seem to be wasting the most energy and, and so therefore that's the area they need to focus on. And then I take it from there and that level of understanding to, to help them understand what they can then do about reducing that energy waste and, and how to address that. So it's uh, you know, anywhere from almost everybody I'm, I'm working with is talking through all the lighting in their home and uh, a lot of people have some efficient light bulbs uh, either compact fluorescent light bulbs or LEDs uh, LEDs are generally about twice as efficient as CFL but um, incandescent lights are LEDs are only about uh, or their LEDs are about six to ten times more efficient than incandescent lights or halogen so you get a big improvement uh, when people went to compact fluorescence, but then you can improve even further to LEDs. So these days, it's best to just go straight to LEDs. 
Um, so lighting is something that everybody has, and and you know the the general. I, I work often in general rules of thumb to help people understand you know, practical things that they can do. And relative to lights, um, I usually talk with them about just thinking about all the lights in their home and what do they use most often. And they can either make a very specific list and be very methodical about it or, or just think through, okay, in this room, what do I use most often? And, and the, the point of that is that uh, everything that uses energy and the amount of money that someone spends on that energy is dependent on how efficient is that device, like a light bulb or a refrigerator, and then how, um, how long do they run it? So if they're thinking about all the lights in their house, they want to think about those ones that are on an hour or more a day is where it makes the most sense to, to start there to upgrade their lights from incandescent uh, to LEDs if they haven't already done that and uh, work your way from the top down. Uh, and it immediately makes sense financially to replace those lights, even though it's going to cost some money to go buy the LEDs the operational cost, the energy savings, the electricity savings will pay for those lights pretty quickly uh, if you use them often. So that's one of the common things I do. Another very broadly applicable thing that I talk through with, with homeowners and, and renters uh, is things, devices that they rarely use even or if ever. Uh, so we walk around the house uh, their house. Uh, I usually visit about one out of five of the clients. The other ones I work with on the phone or over email. But uh, when I'm visiting a house, I talk through with them uh, and, and walk through and look at everything plugged in, all their electronics, all the uh, various things around the house. Um, some people have some very strange devices, um, you know, air purifiers, and there's all sorts of some medical devices, and but. Um, Almost everybody's got a few things like old TVs and and other things, old stereo equipment that they've got maybe in a guest room or something. So if they're not using uh, something, then it's a good opportunity for them to just unplug it. And but unplugging isn't always convenient. So when you know some relative comes to visit and they have the TV and the guest room unplugged, you don't want to have to reach behind a. a, a cabinet to have to plug it back in. So then another way to deal with that, the equivalent of unplugging something, is uh, putting it on a power strip or surge protector power strip and putting the switch somewhere they can get at it with their, with their finger or their foot. Uh, so they don't have to reach around, bend over or whatever. It just make it very convenient so that they continue doing that. Uh, so they can turn it off and on uh, uh, only when someone is going to be using it and you see that in some rooms in people's houses they've got stuff that's just um, not used very much and then we actually find things that some electronic gear in, in people's old cabinets that they haven't used in five years they tell me and it's fairly common so uh, just getting them to unplug that and then they can decide on their own what they're going to do about it you know sell it or or give it away or something so those are some common things that I do Oh, okay. That that's that makes sense. And um, I guess as a as a client, their experience is you know they sign up for this thing and it's free to them, right? That's what Chris was saying last time. That's right. So um, 
the, the program is free and our services are free, even if I come to their house to, to help them, um, because we get paid by the utility company because we're running the program for them, we get paid based on how much uh, a client uh, saves energy. So the more they save, the more we get paid. So um, the customers don't have to pay, the utility pays because the, it's, the program is part of the utility set of energy efficiency programs that they're required to run uh, by the state government. The, uh, the California Public Utilities Commission requires all the utilities to run energy efficiency programs and it actually serves as a bonus program for them so if they meet their energy efficiency goal all the programs that the utility runs they actually earn extra profit uh, so the utilities are very interested to get more energy savings uh, they don't earn more profits from that because of the way the state law in california is where uh, the, the profits of the utilities are what they call decoupled from the sale of energy so they, they don't make more by trying to sell you more energy in fact they make more money by helping you save and so we're part of getting paid to help people save wow that's really that's really interesting wait let me get this straight one more time so the utility companies in california like for example pg e or sce down in southern california so they actually get paid if people use less energy. That's like counterintuitive to most businesses. That's right. Um, about 40 years ago, the state government wanted to encourage people to save energy. But the challenge is that when you had utility companies at the time, like PG&E and Southern California Edison and San Diego Gas and Electric, they made more money the more they sold so of gas and electricity. So they they changed the the rules in the way that the, these big investor-owned utilities make money and, and it was called decoupling uh, decoupling the profits from the sale of the energy and so they they had to change the mechanism by which these shareholder and uh, investor-owned companies these utilities made money because they still wanted the companies to, to earn money they that's their private business you know, serving the public good, but they still have to, to be a viable business. So instead of making a profit on the sale of, of energy, the state government in the legislation changed the, the way that they make their profit to where they actually earn a rate of return on all of their assets, all the capital assets, the buildings, the, the gas lines, the electricity lines, towers, the trucks, the uh, so everything that they own, that's the total amount of assets that they have. And they're authorized through this now decades old law to earn roughly 12% on those assets every year. And so that's the authorized profit that the state allows the utilities to earn uh, above and beyond the cost that they have to show that are reasonable. So they, they're able to, to, recover in rates in what people pay for the electricity and gas, the cost of serving the customers plus this roughly 12% uh, profit. And that's what generates or requires or determines what everybody's paying um, for their energy. But it has nothing to do anymore with how much energy is being sold or used. And so it now can encourage people to save energy through 
energy efficiency programs, which actually is a way for the, as I mentioned before, the, the utilities to earn extra profits. It's a bonus program, essentially. Ah, I see. So the energy coaching is beneficial to utility companies um, because they actually get credit from the, they get they get paid better that way and then they offer it so they offer this for free to its customers and they hire people like you to help them figure things out how to save energies easily so then everybody wins that's kind that's of right. how this works oh okay cool that's right um i uh, hey i i also see here that you used to work for pg and e and you worked for their customer energy solutions can you tell us a little bit about your experience there and what you guys did? Yes. So um, I was in the, the energy efficiency uh, department within uh, the broader uh, organization called Customer Energy Solutions. So the energy efficiency programs were, were uh, administered uh, and, and designed out of that group that I used to be in, uh, as well as programs that are called demand response programs as well as solar uh, programs. So it's a set of customer oriented energy related programs. So what uh, in the industry is called demand side, it's customer demanding the energy, demand side management. So managing the energy use through energy efficiency or what's called demand response. That's when you know, they the, the grid, the electrical grid has got a, a really um, strenuous day because everybody in the Central Valley of California had to turn their air conditioners on because it's really hot. And so it, it's pushing, it's requiring a lot of electricity. Uh, or another example is, you know, um, some power plant goes down for some reason and, and so the rest of them are, are strained. So demand response uh, programs are ways to encourage uh, businesses and residential homes to reduce their energy use just during a certain period of time to reduce the strain on the grid. So that's another type of program that's different than energy efficiency. Demand response is a short period of time to reduce energy, but it then goes back to the way it was. Energy efficiency really lowers the, the overall use on an ongoing basis. So that's a fundamental difference in those kinds of programs. But those, both of those types of programs energy efficiency and demand response are within the customer energy solutions group at, at um, PG&E, along with the ones that the, the, the people that help run the solar programs for helping people to go solar, um, both uh, electric solar and solar thermal, uh, as well as uh, electric vehicle uh, incentive programs are out of that same, same team. So I specifically, uh, had been involved with uh, designing and, and running and administering um, energy efficiency programs in the mostly in the HVAC area, uh, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning type of energy efficiency programs, both for commercial businesses and for residential. And then probably most of my time, then I expanded into dealing with all of the energy efficiency programs uh, both in terms of program design uh, and administration of the program. So working with companies like now that I work with now, um, who, the people who implement the program. So the administrators work with the implementers uh, to run the programs. 
and I also dealt with regulatory affairs. So some of what I did for uh, the last few years when I was at PG&E was um, working with uh, the not only our internal folks um, and as we we're planning and running these programs and how we needed to report and collaborate with the Public Utility Commission uh, so that, to make sure that we were doing things the right way and, and that when we design a new program or change a program that we'd get feedback from them as well as other stakeholders. So I was sort of in the middle of dealing with um, the regulatory affairs and stakeholder relations. So stakeholders meaning other entities like HVAC contractors and their industry organizations and uh, other, other groups that were interested in how we ran programs. So uh, oh, a person okay. in the middle of all that sort of thing. So the customer energy solutions at PG&E provided services like energy efficiency to its customers. You said demand response. I heard solar. I heard solar. electric vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. And I heard a few other programs, and it, and it covered residential and commercial. Now, I mean, all these things seem to be, as I understand them, they, they're quite beneficial to the customer because they're helping them either – uh, pretty much cut down their bills, these, uh, most of these things, or get credit for doing something to cut down your bills. So when you were part of this, a PG&E, what did you find to be the biggest challenge to get people to to do these things? Well, um, I think the biggest challenge um, is in the residential side as opposed to the commercial side. In, in the commercial businesses, um, they usually have, have someone that whose job, well, I'm now speaking actually mostly about medium and large businesses. They usually have someone whose job, either full-time or part-time, is managing the energy use for their business. Um, but the, the harder challenge was with residential customers as well as small business customers because they've got busy lives. They, they're not... Um, professionally trained in understanding energy and you know it turns out you know it's it, the simple turning on and off a light switch you know you kind of think that energy is simple but energy is actually quite complex there's lots of things going on in people's house house and small businesses with how they use energy uh, gas and electric uh, and uh, so the, the challenge is to get people to understand enough about what's going on in their home with the, their energy use and then helping them understand that they actually can do something about it. Uh, so, uh, and, and then to do something about it. So it, it, it starts with just the awareness and paying attention. Um, it, it, there's some study I recall where uh, most people or the average person, you know, residential homeowner or renter, thinks about their energy use only about five minutes a month. And uh, that's usually when they're uh, just looking at and paying their bill. It's not that they're thinking about it. And usually what they're thinking about is, why is my bill so high? And, <laughs> yeah, and that's that, that, as far as they get. That describes me uh, before I got involved in learning all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it, the hard part is just to get people to realize that programs exist to help them and that these 
some of these programs can be easy to use and, and it's, it's not a giant mystery. It's just, they've got to engage a little bit and pay some attention to it. Uh, and uh, the people's energy use in their bills for a long time, it was just one of those things, okay, this is just the way it is. And, and, but as people get more and more, well, larger homes, more and more stuff in the home and uh, you know, depending on the time of year, your bill might go up. Um, so in well, the long-term trend is that rates, electricity rates have gone up. So people's bills are getting bigger and bigger. And so it's starting to be painful to some people. Huh. Yeah. And not, not only because of that, but, but also because just, you know, people's rent is high. So there, people need to find some way in some one of their bills that they they need to be able to to figure out how to reduce it and and energy efficiency programs including the home intel program are ways that that people can reduce energy waste and not spend money on on things that actually aren't providing any anything to them uh, a lot of what we do is uh, you know and what i do as an energy coach is help people do things that doesn't even affect the way that they live they can make changes, simple, easy changes that don't cost much, if anything. And it actually doesn't hurt the way or change the way that they live. They don't have to make sacrifices. They just have to change some things or install little smart strips or, or unplug something. And, and it doesn't require a whole lot of, of uh, challenge. Huh. You know, this is interesting. I was uh, reading about myths and we wrote it and asked dr power a few articles about like myths about energy use and so forth and one of the ones i learned was that uh you know when boiling when just just a simple case like heating up water you know people usually fill up the kettle and then go get on the stove and just like heat the whole thing up when you know and then it's like i think about oh how should i heat up the water which one's the most efficient when in reality it's just the amount of water you're heating up matters the most. Like if you just heat up, you, like you take a cup that you can have a cup of tea mm -hmm. and you pour just that much water in just a little bit and then you heat that up, that's like the best way to save energy when heating up water. And that's just heating up water. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Right. So as an energy coach and you were talking about people not, not realizing there's all this waste, do you, can you share some myths about lowering energy or energy use that, that you see in the field that people are like, what, you know, that they believe in these myths about, about energy use? Yeah. Um, so one of the big ones is that most energy efficiency programs, you know, if people have heard anything about them and, and or have learned anything or, you know, you hear a lot about tips and things uh, for, for, many years now about um, you've got to turn down your thermostat um, in your home to, to, you know, during the winter and not, not have to heat it so much. And, and um, it, it was all about, you know, up to this point, all about the, the insulation, the building, the windows, the air conditioner, the furnace, and, and what could you do about that? <clears throat> and, so I've run into a couple, you know, more than a couple of clients that they try, they're trying to save energy or quote unquote be good about their energy use by um, leaving their thermostat turned down 
so that they're shivering all the time. And um, in some cases, they do that so much that then they, they put in little space heaters or move space heaters around their house that are electric resistant space heaters. And so they've, they've turned down their central furnace, which is a much more efficient system than these um, portable electric space heaters. And when people start to use more than one uh, electric space heater, it really starts to add up. And um, so that's one aspect of, of a myth related to you know, reducing your, your thermostat because everybody talks about, well, keep your thermostat turned down. You know, keeping it turned up one or two degrees might actually be a better thing to do than keeping it turned down because then it, you don't feel like you've got to put a space heater somewhere. Um, the other thing related to that is that some people thought that or think that um, their energy costs and their bills are all related to how much they spend on their air conditioning and their, and their furnace. When in the, the moderate climate that we have here in the, the San Francisco Bay Area, um, that's actually not that big a deal uh, rel relative to some other things going on in their home, like the water heater or and even more so all the what's called plug loads, all the stuff in someone's house that's plugged in. Um, and even, you know, not only the appliances, like the old refrigerator in the garage um, that many people have, but also all the electronics all around the house that constantly are using energy, whether you're home or not. So it's all what they call vampire loads or fandom loads. And people, I usually see, you know, across the board, clients have about at least a third, if not 40 to 50% of their overall energy bill is, is this, always on electric or idle load that's a combination of all these vampire loads from electronics and their refrigerators that they have all over the house including some you know 25 percent of the ones i see have old you know old refrigerators in the garage um and uh so it's the myth is you know again the uh the fact that the Turning down the thermostat actually doesn't going to isn't going to save them so much money. They really need to look at that old fridge or um, all the the plug loads and the vampire loads that are adding up across the the you know fifty or a hundred different devices they have across their house. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those. Yeah. So you were mentioned. So you mentioned one was uh, in winter. People think that they that you should be lowering the thermostat by one or two degrees. And then when it gets too cold, they use these like space heaters that you buy at Target or Walmart or get from Amazon. And those things are actually super wasteful. Uh, so you were That's mentioning right. that. <laughs> and then the second one is that people think it's their, like their, something's wrong with their house and it's expensive stuff like air conditioning systems. But in fact, a lot of this uh, waste is going to like plug loads. So that's very... Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, um, James, I also see here that you're quite involved in the community. And I think that's a really important aspect for someone. And maybe you took it after your dad as well. You mentioned wanting to be a businessman like your dad. Can you tell us about your community efforts? Like, it seems like you've been quite involved for a long time. And you know, why do you do it? And, and what do you do? Well, um, so... 
Yeah, I, I'm, I like to be involved not only in doing work, but also being engaged in the community. And, and uh, it, it, uh, just, it, one fundamental reason is that I was, I was raised to, to uh, uh, the, the, with the importance of giving back to the community. You know, I've had uh, a lot of opportunities in my life and, and uh, was fortunate and, and as they call privileged in many ways, uh, you know, dad was successful. Uh, I, he was the first in, in his generation to go to college, but all his brothers and sisters went to college. But, and, and so that helped me a lot um, just to get it started at a, at, a, at a higher point, if you will, in, in being successful in life. And, and uh, you know, combined with that, um, that giving back to the community that my, my parents both did, um, I also picked the, you know, more of that up um, when I went to school at Stanford and, and uh, there's a, uh, um, a quote from uh, the founder, the, the, the wife of Leland Stanford, uh, the railroad baron, uh, uh, actually it was uh, Leland Stanford himself, he said, I'm founding this university in the hope that, and belief that boys and girls can be educated and men and women prepared and willing to grapple successfully with practicalities, practicalities of life and thus prove a blessing to themselves and the world. And I, that really hit home with me. I, you know, I had a chance to go to a, a great school and had opportunities in my life and, and uh, you know, the, the purpose there uh, was not only to benefit myself, but to, to do what I could use um, my capabilities to help, help the world, people, and, and uh, improve things in the world. And so one of the things I've been doing the last 10, 12 years is working on uh, climate change challenges. You now with uh, global warming is increasingly sh uh, changing our climate and creating in more intense storms and, and, and problems across the world and, and uh, all the science um, uh, is, is showing that, that uh, things are going to get a lot worse if we don't change. And so I'm, I've spent a lot of my time in the last 10, 12 years since I came to better understand that problem um, in working on what can I do locally and regionally, uh, primarily, um, to address that. So I've been involved in uh, my local community here in Sunnyvale. Um, uh, I was vice chair of our citizen advisory committee working on our climate action plan update. And um, I'm also the chair of Carbon Free Silicon Valley, where uh, as a local leader in Sunnydale, I collaborate with other local leaders across different cities in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties uh, to share what we're doing in each city and, and learn best practices of how to work with our city councils and, and not duplicate efforts and, and even even help um, you know show up at other people's council meetings. A few weeks ago, I went to. Mendel Park City Council meeting to, to help 
uh, some local residents talk about the importance of advancing the um, reach codes to make uh, buildings more efficient and, and more uh, electric and use less natural gas uh, to try to drive uh, solutions forward for, for addressing climate change. Because we in Silicon Valley are, are, uh, have the opportunity to, to move for further faster um, and we need to show the way for other communities that are, are less advantaged than our own. We've got, we've got more money here uh, and, and can show the way and, and lay, a, lay a path uh, to show others around the, the state and the, and the country on what can be done for uh, uh, addressing climate change that yeah, isn't necessarily a sacrifice. It actually creates, uh, you know, it saves money and uh, creates jobs. Wow, that's that's inspiring, and I hope just we need more people to be involved in community, work with climate change, and help people through something like energy efficiency, which is accessible to people. Um, so, yeah, while we're talking about that, um, you know, I I used to live in the Bay Area, and you know, there's there's you know, there are more people like you um, in this, in Silicon Valley, and. So if they want to be an energy coach, let's say someone listening to this podcast say, hey, I want to do that because uh, it's uh, you get to help climate change, you get to help people save money, which is starting to be a bigger mm -hmm. pressure in the Bay Area. And it's, from what I understand from Chris, it's also a flex time role because you, you, you help people when it's convenient and, and it's not kind of the typical nine to five job. Let's say I have some understanding energy use and I want to be, I'm interested in being a coach. What, what should this, uh, do you have any advice on how to become one or what, what, what does a person, how does a person become one? Well, um, one of the steps would be uh, to talk to, you know, one of the existing coaches in our program um, to learn more about um, what we do and to, to get a sense of, of some more of the details of what's involved. So, you know, in the, in the grand tradition of, of looking for other opportunities, it's, you know, informational interviewing. So, you know, I'm sure that Chris and I are, would be both happy to, to chat with somebody that might be interested in being an energy coach. And, and as you were mentioning, one very nice thing uh, about it is, is that uh, I get to set my own schedule. Uh, you know, I used to, when I worked at PG&E, uh, used to have to get on the train and go up to the city every day and, you know, more of the quote-unquote nine-to-five job. It's a little longer than that, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the commute was a long time. And so the nice thing is I, I focus more locally in, in my own county and, and just north. Um, and I decide when I'm going to visit a client or, or go meet a partner and, and I I, can, I get to move around in the middle of the day uh, instead of uh, scheduling myself during rush hour. So, um, but if someone's interested, you know, it, it's, um, it's really just helping people. Um, some of the, the, the concepts and what's needed is, is, uh, is not all that hard to come to understand. You know, just have to have an appreciation and a, and a facility with, uh, working with people and, and the desire to help people and, and you know certainly it helps to um, have some background in in the energy in industry but it's not critical and it, it certainly helps to have uh, 
you know, some, some passion for, uh, you know, what the end result is for helping people, helping people in general and helping, you know, with the, you know, some of the end results as you were describing were, were to help address climate change and reduce energy waste. And, uh, it's part of the big problem we're all going to need to be working on soon, if not already. All right. All right. Uh, James, uh, thanks for your time. Um, I have one last question to kind of leave for the listeners, kind of a little tip from you. So you're yourself as a Californian resident, you understand the space. I'm curious, what is one thing that if you could tell us that, that you personally do for energy use, energy consumption, that you would like to share with the listeners and maybe if they can do it too, that, that really helps out with the bills or it's, it's an easy thing to do. Well, one of the things that I do, um, or I, I should say I did, um, and that I, I look for at every client that I visit, um, it is to make sure that the water heater isn't turned up too high and to try to find just that sweet spot where it's just hot enough that everybody in the, in the house gets, the, the, the hot showers that they want and they don't run out of hot water and, and it's the temperature they want. But half of the homes that I visit uh, have their water heater temperature turned up too high. And the easy way to check to see if, um, if yours is too high is simple. Just turn on the hot water at any sink and put your hand under it, um, preferably the back of your hand, and see if you can keep your hand under that hot water. The, you know, all the way hot, all the way on. And if it's scalding your hand and you got to pull your hand away, then what that means is that you're, you're heating the water up to a point where in order to, you know, take a shower, wash your hands, whatever you want to do with it, you're going to have to mix cold water into it. And so why did you heat it up further than it needed to be in the first place, which is wasting energy? you're wasting gas or electricity to heat it more than it needs to be. And so it's a simple thing that everybody can do is just to turn down your water heater and turn it down a whole notch and see if that works for everybody in the house. And if it doesn't work, then turn it back up half a notch. So it, it's something, you know, it's a very easy thing to experiment on. You know, most people know where their water heater is and it's just usually a, a little dial. And, just uh, find that sweet spot where on a regular daily basis, everybody's happy, but it's turned down as far as you can turn it down and still have everybody be happy in the house. Wow, I love it. I love it. I'm going to go check mine out. <laughs> okay, uh, James, again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. I know you're quite busy uh, person helping these 400 clients. Um, so I really appreciate your time and I'm sure the listeners do as well.